Amos just takes his name from that verse in Amos. Um, Let justice roll like a river and righteousness, right living, like a never-ending stream. Um, we're a human rights organization. We've been up and running for 25 years, set up by a person called Garth Hewitt. We're a small organization, have no wish to be large. Garth is a singer-songwriter and also an author. And our desire is to be creative, is to be communicating creatively and raising awareness of voices around the world, voices which are forgotten. Street children are forgotten. As we got involved in the Street Child World Cup, we realized there hadn't been an effective campaign for about 20 years for street children. And that's one of the major problems they face. Our work um, has two main campaigns at the moment. Uh, with street children in our work in South Africa through Ntombo, which has inspired us. That's a project which you saw some of the staff from earlier. It's based in Durban, is run by former street children, and seeks to reunite children with their homes, to get children off the streets and back into the homes they come from, or if that's too abusive, to find them another home to live in. And then from that became the Street Child World Cup, and I'll speak more about the campaign about that later on. Our second major campaign is called A Just Peace for Palestine, means peace and security for Israel. And I'll also speak a bit more about that. I'll speak a bit more about the theology which underpins our work and which is what it's rooted in. And then very briefly about what's coming up next, which includes some of our work in Nicaragua and in India as well. But our two main areas of work at the moment with street children and with Israel and Palestine. And particularly after the events this week, it'd be very wrong not to talk a little bit about Israel and Palestine. So the Street Child World Cup. Um, to give you more specifics about it to start off with. Happened in March. Eight teams of street children came. And I'll read out the list because I never get it right. Um, firm tournament favourites were Brazil. And they were possibly the worst football team ever to emerge from Brazil. Um, I'm very sorry to say. And they're quite shocked and ashamed going back. Um, India, who became the tournament champions. Fantastic project from India. One of the players that I think will represent his country almost certainly later on. All these children are on the streets. They've lived on the streets. They're involved in projects now which take them off the street and support them, but they've all been street children. Every single one, okay? Apart from the UK team, which I'll say about. Then from Nicaragua. Nicaragua, Amos has worked there for years, and Nicaragua has inspired our work. Most wonderful country. And so the Nicaraguan team were a bit of a firm favourites with all of us going into it. Um, but did okay, but didn't win anything. Then from the Philippines, an incredible team from the Philippines. Uh, in the Philippines, all the children there are brought up in rubbish dumps. Uh, Mandy, who you saw on this video here, was brought up in a rubbish dump. If you're brought up in a rubbish dump, living on the streets, it's the same thing. Because you're going to eat rubbish wherever you are. I remember being in South Africa, we did a barbecue with the street kids there on the beach one day. And I am a vegetarian, which doesn't go down well in South Africa at all. It's kind of like meat is everywhere. And so you just get a bit of sort of, they call it mealy meal, or a bit of sweet corn. And so I'd eat this, and I'd sort of chewed all the yellow bits off it, threw it in a bin, and two kids went straight in the bin, took it out, and started eating it. And that's just kind of life, okay? So that's just putting it in context. In the Philippines, the rubbish dumps there, um, children every single day are ploughed down by the, the trucks which come in to level the rubbish dumps. So that's the background of children from, from there. They literally just run over. They just, just happen. There won't be a report. The person driving the truck won't get into any trouble. There won't be anything at all. It just happens. And Mandy was rubbish dump. She was on in South Africa. Similar experiences happened. Then we had the South African team from Mutombo, a team from Tanzania. 
from Wanza in northern Tanzania. Then a team from the Ukraine. Now, the Ukrainian team was quite remarkable. I don't know if you've seen any programs about Ukraine. Um, for years, Ukraine denied having any street children. So it's flat, they didn't have any. And the first time they admitted to street children was around this event. And indeed, we had the mayor from one of the towns coming there um, to it. But the children there, to survive, because it's minus 20, 30 degrees in winter, they all live underground in heating pipes. And they come up at night time. Now, none of the children there had ever seen a beach. They'd never seen a black person. Um, none of those things had ever happened at all for them. And so for them, Durban's on the coast. It's got a fantastic coastline. It's one of the surfing capitals of the world. So for them, they could have just turned, spent the whole time on the beach and they wouldn't have cared. <laughs> they were just so happy seeing the sea. But the children there as well, because it's the Soviet Union, ex-Soviet country, every single night, what they do is they send a van out and it goes around and it gives them food and advice and tries to get them into foster homes, government-run foster homes. Every single night they fill in 30 forms. Same 30 forms every single night to get permission to go. Because that's a level of bureaucracy. And that team only received, the week before they came, they had a letter saying they could come. And that the permission letter would be signed by the mayor. This thing. Um, and yet the mayor had signed that letter. So he sent a letter to say he would send a letter. As opposed to just sending a letter. And they waited four months for a letter. I'm not sure they ever got it in the end. Um, and the team only met each other on the day before they came. Because the orphanages they now in wouldn't let them out before then. So obviously the Ukraine got stuffed by everybody because they were by far the worst football team there, as they'd never met before the day before the event. Team from Manchester, from the UK. Um, Andy from Blue Peter followed them. You may have seen Blue Peter. And he followed them and did a special with them. We desperately need a team from the UK. It was problematic having them there because their experiences are so different from the other children. Very, very important. And very important here to have a team there. And they're a great lot. Really good lot. Um, and Andy did a good job there. So we had the eight teams. As I say, India won. the beat Tanzania in the final. Uh, the football was just part of it. And an incredibly important part of it. Um, but also they went to schools every day. Um, they, it was really important to us that they spent time with schools. Breaking down the stereotypes. One child one of the schools said, what, they're street children. They can't be. They're just like us. They're not scary. They're not dirty. And for us, it was really important. And for the children coming, it was really important that they went into there. And the schools treated them like celebrities. And these are just normal schools around the place. You know? So they're just really normal schools. We deliberately went for those. It's fantastic to have them involved. And the British Council are now doing a teaching resource from that. Um, so we went to schools. They worked with artists. They did cultural events every night. Deloitte became one of the, the major corporate sponsors. And they did a couple of events with football, human footballs, and all this sort of stuff. And for us, the most important stream was this straight campaigning side. The roundup which you witnessed here, I was so glad it happened. I was so pleased. Because we'd picked a fight. We kind of quite deliberately picked a fight. And our biggest concern was they may be bright enough not to do any roundups when we were there. We had 12 film crews. We had The Sun. We had um, FIFA film crews. We had all these other people there. We had the press there. We desperately wanted them to do something so stupid as a roundup. Because they happen every single day. And what tends to happen is that they take the children and they drive them out of town and they just dump them miles out. And they just have to walk back in. 
And what happens there is that the instance of trafficking increases from that. But also, what also happens because of that is that the friendship groups get broken down. That's how they protect themselves in the streets as a friendship groups. So they get broken down and they're far more likely to be abused. And these children, I mean, these children, will have, all of them will have been raped. They'll all be sexually and physically abused, all of them from South Africa and from many other places. And this was part of the horror when we were running this. Our risk assessment was 17 pages long and had all these categories in it, none of which were there. None of which happened at all. They were just like children, like any other child. So when the roundup happened, I was really pleased. I was absolutely elated. Um, the son the next day went and filmed at the same place and the camera crew got arrested from the son, which isn't great PR from anybody. So their son got arrested and there's a big feature in the sun in the UK. It's been all over South African press now. Major features about roundups. We met with the municipality the next day because the mayor was hosting a reception for this. And I should say that I don't think the event would have happened without Deloitte sponsoring it because we'd have been closed down. Durban University of Technology, where all the games happened, were convinced the event wouldn't happen even the day before it happened. Now, for me, part of the belief in the God is the remarkable nature there. Durban University of Technology, a strike was happening and there were riots at the other campus and the only thing open the whole time was our football tournament there because so many of them there loved it and also because somehow it happened. Um, so all these other hospitals we were ha expecting to have riots going on wasn't quite what we were used to. Um, but we met with the municipality the next day because of this. And they said, show us one piece of evidence that roundups happen. They don't happen, you're making it up. And we just pulled out this bit of film and said that was yesterday. This was the week before, this is the week before that. And from that point on, there's been one more roundup. There's been one subsequent roundup. Which again, they were hammered in the press. And they've made firm commitments to say this is not what will happen in Durban. There will be children on the streets during the World Cup. And if there are any roundups next week, we will contact the press. We will press release it here. We'll be writing letters to you saying, please, can you write to the mayor of Durban and these other people to say this should not happen. These children should not be treated this way. And for us, that was a hugely important time. It was to take the campaign they've been working on for years there and put a spotlight on it and say, this is how change happens. And we want to see that change happen around the world in different places. Part of the event was a conference. For us, it was essential to have street children saying what mattered most to them. And they talked about the things about violence from the police. That was one of the main themes. Another main theme was the right to education to healthcare. The simple fact is, if there was free primary education, when I say free, lots of places will have free primary education. But that doesn't mean it's free, because you have to pay for uniforms. So if you haven't got a uniform, you can't go to school. So you get children who go to beg on the streets to get money to go to school. That's really common. You've got to have books, you've got to have shoes. Um, very often, children won't go there because they haven't been fed at all. So they're in different places around the world. Free primary education would massively reduce the number of street children. They're pretty harvard overnight. So it's about that, but it's also about home. And the conference was absolutely remarkable, hearing the street children about home. Because for every single one of them, it wasn't the building, it was about family. So home equals family. And those of us who are working in this sector for years have been saying home equals family. It's not about the poverty which they come from, it's about... Yes, that's a huge reason why children are in the streets. But actually, it's when abuse happens. It's when the family gets broken down. That's why they run away. That's why children leave. 
And to hear the children consistently just talk about home as being family, re-emphasized all those things. So for us, the Street Show World Cup was this massive success. It was a wonderful event. It was an event which should never have happened, and which the whole time we're sitting there thinking, oh no, <laughs> what could go wrong here? Because there's so much which could go wrong. And we're so grateful for churches, for people all over the place who prayed and supported it. Um, the event really had about three or four people at its heart. It went up to about 12 at its heart. And there's a few key things which really emerged. The first of those is, we can change the world. We can change the world. If anybody says we can't, it's just a lie. If anybody says we're powerless, it's an absolute lie. And we have to call it for the lie it is. It's hard to know exactly how many disciples Jesus had. There were certainly 12 men. I imagine a similar number of women who followed him around. A minute group of people who said, but I entrust the kingdom to you. A small group of people who are committed can change the world. And there's no doubts about that whatsoever. It's not a quick process. We haven't made the change happen yet. It's going to take a long, long time. But there's no doubts about it whatsoever. We can change the world. And when we feel so powerless in the UK, as we all do, there's no doubts about that, we feel so powerless, actually we have to say, that's a lie. We can change things. It's just that it's not easy and it takes time. The second thing, as I said, is these children who have dreadful backgrounds, who have done unthinkable things, will have had several murderers staying there, who've had to kill people to survive on the streets. That's a simple reality. We're just like children. The high point to me every day was seeing them just chatting, laughing. There's, there's about 16 different languages there. So they couldn't speak to each other. But they were chatting away, laughing, singing together, learning all each other's songs, learning all these things, being kids just like any other kids. And that was truly remarkable. To see these children made in the image of God, living that out, was truly remarkable. And the third thing which leapt out to me, and is very much in keeping with Amos, is this word Ubuntu, which Mandy alluded to. It's a Kosa word and a Zulu word, in fact, Zulu word, um, which means a person is a person through other people. Our value is not what we have in the South African tradition and the African tradition. It's the relationships we have. So it's about the relationships we have which gives us our value, not our possessions. And for me, it's such an important Christian tradition, which Desmond Tutu particularly took forward, and you see now echoed in theological traditions. Our value comes from the relationships we have. So a symbol of praise in South Africa would say that person has much Ubuntu. And when we see children treated less than that, it's when we see that being denied completely. Amos Trust's theology stems from our partners around the world. It's things like Ubuntu. We believe in a God of justice and liberty. A God who hates violence, who loves liberty and justice. Um, the prophet Amos, it's quite hard to know exactly where he's based, but he's supposed to be based in Tekoa. Tekoa is a little town, um, if you know the West Bank at all. It's really complicated when you get into, poly- into geography of Israel-Palestine. Because the West Bank's on the east of the country, but it's in the West Bank of the Jordan, so that's where you get confused immediately. But the West Bank is the Palestinian territories. And between Bethlehem and Hebron, just north of there, is a little town called Tekoa. And that's where he's supposed to be from. And then his prophecies are actually about the north of Israel. 
uh, the northern kingdom, even though he came from the south. Every year, we take groups to Israel-Palestine, what we call an alternative pilgrimage. And you're all very welcome to join us. I was leading it this year, just came back a couple of weeks ago. And we go and we meet peacemakers from all the communities there. And we're largely based in Bethlehem. I'm just going to show you a, a one-minute clip of that. So, okay, can we just have that one-minute clip? We're at the entrance to this holy city of Bethlehem. And yet it's extraordinary if we look at it. This is the way in we've walked through. It's basically a prison with this huge wall. And we have a context where you catch a glimpse of what it means to have this nine-meter wall cutting you off from your land. Five years down the road, Bethlehem is going to be so overcrowded with uh, such a high unemployment, with lots of social problems, that it's everything but Bethlehem. The Palestinians were locking in the oppressed so we have wide open spaces, feelings of freedom, freedom of movement, and there the a whole population is literally locked in into a prison. The International Court of Justice in The Hague declared this an illegal wall that has to be dismantled. Israel has a right to defend its citizens, but it has to be proportional. So you can't lock in millions of people behind walls and destroy their economy, destroy their lives, and so on, because you perceive some security threat from some uh, suicide bombers. In other words, you can take the steps you have to take, but this goes way... ...innocent people um, permanently, and that is absolutely illegal in international law. The time will come when we will say, where were you? Like the Jews, you know, looked at the world and said, where were you? when we were massacred by the Nazis. And I think we are going to say, where were you when you saw these crimes being done by the Israeli government? And you stood silent. That's a short trailer from a film called Bethlehem Hidden from View, which we brought out last year. Um, and it gives a sense of what's happening on the West Bank. The separation wall there, which is not complete. So people who say it's security, there's real issues there. Um, and the desperate situation which people live in there. Uh, people you heard on there, uh, two of them are Palestinian ministers. Um, the third is a Jewish academic. And we work with people from all communities there looking for a just peace. The events this week in Gaza, uh, outside Gaza, in international waters, are truly shocking. Um, I was meant to be on one of the convoys last year, which was going in. And um, I think the outrage there is really significant. The tragedy is that within Israel, uh, the government there has become more and more right-wing, and there's so little understanding of how the world sees what's going on. And we see more of a fractured society there. And this time it's so important to be working with peacemakers in Israel particularly, to be supporting them because... They're the ones who are having tremendous pressure placed on them. And also with Christians and others in Palestine who are committed to peace. We absolutely believe that unless a just peace is reached, there will not be security for Israel. Israel requires security. Goodness knows the events of the Holocaust, the events of hundreds and hundreds of years of persecution do not vanish. The proclamations made in Iran and other places don't just disappear. 
you'd be ridiculous to say they do. But actually, unless we work for just peace, there will not be long-term peace. And it's so important we, as Christians, support those initiatives there as well. And that's the second area which we at Amos are very involved in. For us, again, the theology of the people there is so important. Picking up on the words of Jesus, when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. When Jesus speaks to us and says, in Nazareth, when he speaks in the church there, and says, I've come to release the captives, to preach the lear of the Lord's favour. And that's what Amos is committed to. And we ask all people to be involved in that. Let me say a little bit finally about what comes next for us. A Just Peace of Palestine is a campaign we just launched with details of it over here. And we do trips every year to meet people, go around, just meet members of the community, all sorts of the community. We meet trade unions in Israel, we meet pacifists, we meet church leaders. We see the sites, but we're rooted in the communities there. We're also going to be next year in March building a house there as well. We're going to be building a demolished house. One of the policies is to demolish houses either because of the wall or within East Jerusalem. And we're going to rebuild a demolished house. And we'll take about 20 people over there to do it. And we'll work with Jewish groups and Palestinian groups to do it. We'll work with people on the ground. So if you're not a builder, it's absolutely fine. Just come along, <laughs> get involved, do your fancy doing that. And you'll see other bits and pieces. And we're doing that again as a positive statement to say, actually, we rebuild something here. And a chance to hear what's going on on the ground and to be involved in something as well. And so that, if you prefer pilgrimage, we'll also do that. And with the Street Child World Cup, We've got an exhibition coming up later this year. We've got books and things coming out. Uh, throughout the tournament, the children work with artists to capture their stories. And uh, a place called the Foundling Museum um, down in London, the exhibition is going to be on show later on this year. And we will send through details of when that's going to be, of the art which came from there. But the whole of that campaign, we're very much looking to the future. In 2012, we're hoping to bring children over here to be part of the Olympic uh, initiatives, different teams of street children to the UK to tour around and so people can meet them and can experience more of that, and we'll tie that into the Olympics. And then in 2014, we're currently looking at the possibilities of going to Brazil and doing the second Street Child World Cup there, which obviously would be a hardship for everybody involved, um, and I'm not at all looking forward to. We're also taking people to Nicaragua to meet the projects there and to say to people to be involved. For us, the simple biggest thing is to say get involved. Um, all these initiatives, everything we're about is about small groups of people getting involved. Last weekend, 40 of us cycled from Cambridge to Paris. And some people raised money, others didn't. And it's literally us saying, be involved. Just be involved. That's what matters most. Because when we're isolated, it's really hard. But once we get involved, we know actually we can make a huge difference. I mean, please do help yourself to anything over there. There's different bits and pieces there. Um, please do take it at the end. I'm going to finish by reading a prayer which was um, was very important in South Africa as we're there and reflected the final thing to us which was really important. We at no stage said this was the Amos Trust Street Child World Cup. We didn't stamp our name on it. We didn't try to say this is all about us. We said to our partners around the world, use this however you can do. Most of our stories have been about our partners in South Africa. In the Philippines, they had front-page news about the children there. And when they beat Brazil, it was literally everywhere. The Philippines beat Brazil for the first time ever in an international match. Um, and we gave it away. We're saying, it's yours. Use it however you want to. If you can raise more money out of it, use it. Use it. 
to take it. And this is a poem called Lose It, or a prayer. Let's take it as a prayer. It's not easy to lose your life without becoming dead, but it's still worth trying in order to really find yourself. It's not easy to discover that there is no such thing as an individual, but it is worth the effort to finally find yourself in others. It's not easy to accept that none of us really exists, except when we exist for each other. But why live only for yourself when you might as well be dead? It's not impossible to gain a whole world in the breathless chase for everything. But what can you do with a world if you lost your soul in getting it? It's not easy to believe that you cannot buy your life or own your life, that the more that you consume, the more alive you will feel. Because this is the ocean we swim in, and the shimmering liquid mirage our evolutionary pilgrimage has adapted us to and coming up for air might drown us. It is not easy to realize, Ubuntu, that I am because you are, that unless you are, I am not, that unless we do, and until we can, maybe none of us will ever really be. It is not easy to follow a call instead of a career, if they do not overlap. But it is a pearl of great price to find your heart in tune with the universe. It is not easy to lose your life without becoming dead. It is not easy to lose your life, but it is the only way to find it. <laughs>